Now, thank you, Jonathan, uh, for everything. Are we good on the back? I know we had to kind of switch over. I do things a little bit different where I put everything together. Uh, you know, I've been a teacher for 10 years, and there is a little bit of a control factor that I have to have uh, that's slightly different. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is faces. I have to see faces. So if we could get the house lights up just a little bit more. The first time that I ever talked in here, I just felt like I was talking to myself. Uh, because you can see the front row, and that is it. And my entire life, I have been basically feeding off of a crowd, which has been very difficult, when now I'm put in a different position where I'm talking just to a camera on our daily videos, and it is the hardest thing in the world. And you're like conjuring up energy from nowhere. And you're just like, I'm smiling to no one. And so you're just hoping they feed off of what you're doing, and it's just been a very change of positions for me. Uh, because normally my room is packed with about 30 to 40 kids who don't want to be there, and you eventually have to feed off what ones are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and then just completely ignoring the ones that are like doodling on their notes, and at the end of the day, they've got a full-on collage of you have no idea what, but they're doing exactly what they want, and you know, it is what it is. So um, I wanted to kind of bridge off of this last sermon here, because Pastor Justin did an amazing job with our Under Armour series, uh, and just kind of talking about this whole thing that kind of bridges uh, what I wanted to go into today. And so uh, there's two different things. So if we slide on over the next slide, normally I have full control over my life, and I have a clicker and everything, and I'm just like, yes, here we go. Uh, but I'm too far away from the computer. So I'm relying in faith on somebody else to control a situation that I normally have too much control over. Um, but I wanted to bring up this idea of changing our positions. Now, before I end up getting started, I always say this. If God speaks to you in any single way, um, we can talk about one thing, but if you're like me, your mind starts chasing down the thing that you actually need to change. If God's chasing that rabbit hole, follow that rabbit hole because God speaks to you in your own unique way and I want you to chase that down. Tune me out, tune God in. That'll always be my phrase for anything else because I always understand this very simple fact that I'm just a person delivering a message but God is the one who changes positions. Okay? And I want to have this understanding that there are two different things that we can kind of realize that we change a lot of times in our positions. Uh, the first one, which we talked about through the whole Under Armour series, is our spirituality. It is single-handedly the most important thing that ends up coming in and changes our entire life. The Under Armour is essentially what we put on every single day. Ephesians has this amazing bridge to give us our ideas, our foundation of what it means to put on several different things that change our spiritual walk with God. And so let's switch it over here in just a little bit. Go to the Under Armour one. One more. I would have already gone over all this. I know. I need, Barb, you're doing fantastic. When I do this, Or, no, I'm just kidding. That'll just be way too confusing. Um, but the Ephesian scripture, uh, I absolutely loved. Um, I read it, again, several, several times. It's one of those things. Uh, when God puts you in a position to teach, um, I don't really wish it upon anyone because he's going to reveal things about you that you're like, oh, I haven't dealt with that in a long time. Don't get up there. <laughs> okay? 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is our under armor. This is our stance. This is our position of what we as Christians need to really influence in our lives to take a spiritual position for God. Every single thing that we had covered and everything Justin spoke about is going to come at you in a certain way. The moment you put it on is the moment you're going to get attacked in that exact way. By raise of hands, how many of you have ever prayed for something and immediately you started seeing the attacks on those things that you were moving towards God for? <laughs> it's the one thing that is just like, if you don't want it, don't ask for it. Because if you ask for it, he going to give it to you. And it may not be in the way, in the position that you're really looking for. Okay? When we are asked to be tested or we are put into different things, we simply find out that it is a strengthening period. Because there is that moment when we are positioning ourselves in a different way that God now has a way to move in us. And every single time that we do this, we find ourselves uniquely relying on God. If we're not moving, if we're not changing, and we're not in different positions in our life, we get stagnant. And everyone knows what stagnant water does. It gets gross. It becomes poisonous. If you know what Gerardia is, it's terrible. But it comes when water is stagnant. Flowing water is something completely different. And I had this point in my life this one time. I always say there's, there's different moments that you will never forget. Um, and it's always realizing of where you actually are. And for me, it's usually been a result of where my physical position is, is where my spiritual position changes. And there was one night, I think I was with Mick, and we were out by this river, and we were in this creek, and every single step that you took out in the water just was uneven. There was just no solid ground to stand on until I found this, like, rock. And I ended up standing on this rock in this river, and I realized for a moment that every single time I felt water, it would be the first and the last time I ever felt it. Because the water is always moving. It's not going to stay there. And you can chase it as much as you want, but as long as you stay in the same position, you'll never be moved by it. The water is going to move, but you're going to be standing still. And so I've been in this walk now for about a year. I have not taken a paycheck. I have walked away uh, from a relationship, and I decided to take a year off of my job, which is an educator. And that change of position had literally opened up my eyes in a thousand different ways. Simply put, I am terrified all the time. Am, am I the only one? Like, you rationalize things, you think about things, you overanalyze things. As a teacher, I am the most comfortable human being on planet Earth. I could walk into a classroom of about 16, 17-year-olds, which scare half of you in this room, and I'm like, what's up, what's up, what's up, how you doing? Let's do this. And the day goes on, I can teach five, six, seven lessons, walk home, and be completely fine. And I know for some of you, it's like, oh, the judgment. I love the kids. They're super easy. If you didn't already know, my real personality is that guy who's like, yeah. <laughs> It's good, 
Um, and so I taught seventh grade. And I didn't realize like, how much of a kid I am uh, until I started getting older and people start looking at you and they go, dude, act your age. Right. Excuse you? <laughs> but there are several different things that we realize that the more we change our position, the more people want you to behave in different ways. But the truth is, is that God is ch constantly changing our positions. And if we're willing to change with them, we're going to experience several different things in multitudes of ways that we never imagined. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> so over this year, um, I've been asking God to change my position. Um, this has come in a multitude of ways, and of course, we don't have time for everything uh, because, you know, if this was a lesson, we'd be going over it for six days, and I have 50 minutes, and I get up here and I talk, and I show like nine videos, so you guys are all entertained, but it's just not the case that we're in. Justin did the fantastic job of covering our spiritual position, which is our armor of God. Uh, but for most of us, it's not always that spiritual thing because we're human beings. We're both flesh and blood. It was the first verse that I put up there. We're, we're two things. We're physical and we're spiritual. And so many times we focus so much on the spiritual things that we've neglected the raising of our physical bodies. And we realize that the way that we position ourselves physically has a way of connecting us to the people that we interact with. How we handle ourselves Parents, you'll know this better than anyone else as you're raising your children. Get your elbows off the table. <laughs> nope, sit down. We're in a public restaurant. <laughs> we don't bring our kids a lot of the times because they're like running around. They can't stay in one position. They want to get up and they want to move. They want to explore. They want to see the world that we're living in. And so we have this other things that kind of go into us. Uh, I think our emotional position is probably one of the keyest ones that we're focusing in on now in our world. Our mental health crisis that has embodied our nation has gone into an all-time high. We've seen the physical, which was what I'm going to pretty much concentrate on today, uh, but then we have the other terms that kind of go along with our position. And we have to realize that every single time that we take on a position or someone labels you in a position or creates for you a position, even though you didn't even want it yourself, there are certain standards that we have to abide by how we carry ourselves. And in a position in a boss, you realize that even in a boss situation, we can still lower ourselves to meet the needs of the people who are still below us. And so God is this ultimate master of position. He's the one who grants it, he's the one who takes it away, and he's the one who tells you how to behave in it. Because if we didn't, we'd always see these different things. Because uh, I think it's something like 70% of people end up leaving a job, not because they hate the job, but because they hate the boss. Because they don't honor the position of leadership. They're not leading by the example. They're doing the I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. Whereas I or you are sitting there going, dude, I do your job half the time. And you want to tell me? And so we realize that title and position have to change as well. As we grow, as we move on, we grow into it. I have the hardest time in the world because when somebody says, oh, you gotta, you gotta mature, you gotta grow up, you gotta do all these different things, and I'm just like, but I like being a kid. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> and so I try to keep things light because if I get too serious, I get too much in my head. And the more I get into my head, the more I keep finding myself chasing down these different rabbit holes. And the last but not least is, I don't even have to present this one to you because we're chasing it every single day, is our position on our ideologies. 
We're either on one side or the other, but today what I'm saying is the change of our position really influences how we're going to live the rest of our lives. And for those of you who are parents, I hope you see a lot of this because my biggest struggle that I've had through the 10 years of teaching is really having to teach kids to unlearn what they've been taught. See, I'm going to slide it over. Our position is usually driven by our experiences and our emotions. These are the two things, okay? When, when it comes to memory and everything like that, you attach an experience to an extreme emotion and you're going to remember it forever. I know exactly where I was on 9-11. I can tell you the position I was in when I watched the plane fly into that building. I can tell you everything I felt when someone gave me horrifying news. I can tell you what it felt like when I watched a young man die in my arms. I can tell you all the details because I was in a position and my emotions were so out of whack. I can detail you everything for you. And so when we look at this, we have to realize that all of our positions are defined by this. The more experience we have with something, the more we stick to it, the more we get really good at it. Every single athlete knows you get better by something by what? Practice. You keep doing it over and over and over again until you're actually good. The, what separates those who are going off and playing college ball and professional ball is literally time. How much time are you putting into it? Are you the kid who's showing up to the gym before school who's still shooting hoops by the time it goes? Are you the kid who's after practice going, hey, coach, can you leave the lights on? Because those are the kids who end up making it. They've changed a position that says, oh, no, practice isn't over until I've made my 100 free throws. Practice isn't over until I've gone that extra mile. And so we end up seeing ourselves time and time again wondering why we're not in the position that we want to be, but we haven't really considered the time and the ways in which we've moved ourselves into the position that we continually want to see ourselves in. Now, when I went through the Bible, of course, uh, you can see these examples all throughout. I just wanted to pull up four for you guys because you can see that their experience and the situation that was presented to them uh, kind of defines a lot of them. So the first one is Moses breaks the Ten Commandments out of anger. We already knew Moses had a what problem? He had an anger issue. He had a long-standing thing of continually being angry. And he is given literally the Ten Commandments. Sees something, is in a position to do something, and what does he do with them? What? <laughs> now you got to go back and got to get pair number two. <laughs> Jonah gets angry because he spares Nineveh. Man, if you have not read the book of Jonah, he is all of us and every single one of us in our struggles with God. That is the metaphor, I think, for every human being. We are all our own Jonah. We are literally cast down. We're like, I don't want to go there. And God's like, you're going. <laughs> if you ask for it, he's going to take you to it. You want to be used by God. It's going to put us in situations that we're not always comfortable with. And we may not always get the answer that we want. But God, the inevitable authority, is moving us in a direction. And I promise you, he's taking you there for a reason. David challenges the king and the giant. Man, I cannot imagine what it would be like to see a little kid be like, I'll take him on. <laughs> but if you read in his story, it's his experience that gives him the confidence to understand that his little sling is going to take down a giant. 
Because he's already taken down lions and bears. He's already taken down an entire position that has literally been, oh, he's going to move too slow. I got it. Hey, we need to put you in all this armor. Nah. I don't need that. I know that all I need to do is swing this thing around, and I can take out the thing that's standing in front of me. And my favorite thing about that story is what Justin said uh, last week, which is then he takes the sword of Goliath and uses what was going to be meant to kill him to destroy him. And if that's not powerful in your own life, I promise you your stories and your testimonies are going to be the things that were meant to destroy you, that God used you in that position by your experiences to actually slay giants. And then, of course, probably my favorite verse, because it's the easiest to memorize. (laughs) Jesus wept. But I want to put it in perspective for you because we have love that is on a whole different level because he could have literally saved himself from all of this. He never had to be in a position to where this actually happened. He waited to lose something. He knew that there was something else, a position of a whole group of people that needed to be changed, but it needed, in order to do that, it had to cause him immense amount of pain. And to believe in a God that actually feels the exact same way that you do when you lose something is nothing short of this miracle connection that God wants to establish between him and us. So I want to concentrate on this physical thing. Because in this world, we are physical bodies. Jesus was sent down to be physical form of representation of who God was. And everything that he did was that physical representation. And so we behave in these unique ways. And so we also have to understand that as much as we take care of our spiritual life, which is the first and the foremost things that we ought to do, there is still a physical representation that needs to take place. And so uh, I, I posed the question, and I even looked at Jonathan, and I was like, do you even think God cares? And without a doubt, yeah. He cares how you handle yourselves, how you present yourself before somebody else, and how you position yourself in the people that we have around you, because believe it or not, we are the representation of Christ here. And we're failing at it all the time. And thank God for his mercy and his grace. But if we can change just a little bit more, we give someone a different perspective that they may not have seen. So I'm a research guy. And so I love doing all of this stuff because body language is one of the most fascinating things uh, that you can possibly do with another human being because if you jump into it, has anyone ever looked into like facial recognition where we can like see where people go? You can see if people are lying and everyone thinks it's in the eyes. It's actually the exact opposite. So if a kid's lying to you, he's like, it's all in the eyes. I did not break it. (laughs) They think it's in the eyes. It's not. Uh, And there's a lot of different things, and so there's a ton of different research. There's always the old things, which is the things that we constantly have to unlearn because there's things that go into the past, like we only use 10% of our brains. Not true. You use it all. But it's functioning at such a high level. It's uh, monitoring your body. It's doing all the different things that you're unconscious of. So we're actually watching it. So I'm just going to concentrate on this first one here, which is communication is 55% body movements. 38 voice and tone, and a wonderful 7% what you're actually saying. Yeah. 
when we are communicating with everybody else, you're seeing all the other things that are going on, <laughs> that are going in. But even as we relate in different things, our relationship with different people changes how we communicate with one another. <sighs> Lord, forgive me on this one. When I say this next, this is never supposed to be used to basically condemn or put somebody in position and say, you don't do this. And I want to be very clear on that. Because I made the huge mistakes in my relationship to say, oh, you don't communicate with me the way that I want you to communicate with me, and this is causing all these problems. But there are certain ways that men communicate, and there are certain ways that women communicate. And men and women communicate on very different levels. And we use our bodies to display different things as we kind of go on. And so I think I've got some wonderful things. Now, there's seven or eight different facial expressions that are universal. And this is one of those things that they've done studies all over the world, and there are seven different things. It's anger, it's joy, it's sadness, it's uh, surprise, contempt, disgust, and shame. Doesn't matter what language you learn to speak, it doesn't matter what culture you were raised in, those seven, those eight different human emotions are universal. They're all represented in the face the exact same way. And so when you see babies as they're developing, they're not learning how to show anger. They know how to do it. But I want you to think about it for a second. If those are the ones that are universal, what are all the other emotions of human beings that God's instilling to inspire the young generation of people and children with that aren't innate, that we aren't born with? which means we're teaching our children how to love. We're teaching our children how to show kindness and compassion. And if we're not seeing it, and they're not displaying it, where are they getting it from? Because if you've ever watched a child watch a movie, like the one that I cannot stand is Baby Boss. <laughs> yeah? Anyone made their child watch it? How sassy did they get after that film? <laughs> Because they're seeing it, they're behaving in it, and they're like, this is appropriate. Yeah! Where did you learn that? And you're like, get that out of here. We're not watching that ever again. Because when we are children, our experience is to watch. Before a child ever learns to speak, they spend an entire year developing the visual cortex of their brain, which means they're seeing the world. They're looking at how you love your wife. They're looking at how they're held. They're looking at how they're being touched. And that is their basis, their subconscious, their lower level thinking that is instilled in them. And it's the most important thing that we kind of come with when we're establishing our basis for how we are going to communicate. The faces don't lie. Our words usually do. Because if you've been in an argument, anyone who are married, you already know all this, they're going to say, I'm fine. <laughs> Why are we laughing, married people? <laughs> you've heard it before. The body is telling you something else completely different than the words. The words are communicating in a different way. But what if we can get everything lined up? What if we can get our body language? What if we can get our heart what if we can get our soul and we can connect it all and really display what God intended for us to do through all of us, which is to bring the gospel, the good news, and everything that we have to present it in unique ways. And so, go to the next one. 
when we do that, we realize that how we present ourselves matters. I typed in worship, body language, and there were seven of these photos. <laughs> Therefore, I had to show you it. So you can take a look at it. There's, there, there's different levels in how we can present ourselves in different ways. Uh, you know, you got the rookie, the, the elbow flap. <laughs> I promise you, in every single church service, you're going to do it. There's going to be that good, the, the, the hold my baby. <laughs> you enjoy, are you taking the picture for your wife? Yeah. Good. Because there is a level to worship that you can just see it's palpable. Um, and I put it up there, and I emailed this to her before. So I said, Esther, I hope this doesn't embarrass you. Can I put it up there? She goes, make it bold. The linky method. Okay? It is quite possibly the most glorious thing that you will ever see from the back of the room. The linkies are this amazing, godly family, and there is a multitude of them. And so when they all show up together, they're in unison. And I want to tell you that there's actually something really beautiful about it, because you'll see it, and you're like, this is really strange. But when you have an entire family that's been around each other for so long, the body mimics what others are doing. When you're on a date and you're in love with somebody, you start to mimic the person that's in front of you. They move and you move. Your brains literally sync up in different ways and there's a connection that comes in. And it happens at a physical level just as much as it does anything else. And so this family literally is in there and they'll worship and you'll see the whole group that's laughing at this. And they're all swaying in unison. And they're all like, and if one changes, all of them do it. It's the glorious thing I've ever seen when it comes to worship. And when they're all together, I'm like, I'm getting in the back. The linky method. <laughs> but every single one of these, if you take a look at it, has a very unique position. And most often, it's actually the position of surrender. See, what we realize is a lot of times is our hands display what we truly want. Our hands, when clenched, are that physical response to the anger, the frustration, the I'm trying to hold things in. Just watch your children when they don't want to tell you. Watch the body cringe. It closes itself off. It goes into a protection mode. Whoops. And so we find ourselves that when we are truly open with God, it leaves us in a space. And the more that we are open to it, the more that we're able to display gratitude, not only to God, but to the people around us. Just watch it. These are the things that are so subconscious to us, we don't actually think about it too much. But when I'm in depth in a conversation with JJ, usually I'm like, dude, tell me more. But if you don't want to be in it, it's literally called the upper hand. It's a Roman term. It literally will do a cross. And you do it when you're done with the conversation. And it's a display mechanism that it shows the people that we are engaging with, I want the upper hand. I want to change the situation. Rather than being in an open position that goes into it. So when we're communicating with one another, whether it's a husband or a wife, and we want to actually do it, our bodies literally will influence the way that we start to communicate. You want to display compassion and love? Open yourself up. Just as you are in worship, you want to find yourself in a different position and you want to find yourself opened up to it? Get your space. Find yourself exposed and really allow God to change the position of your heart because I know for me, keep doing that. 
I constantly find myself in different positions controlled by what I'm doing in it. So let's keep going. This is my teacher moment here. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. These are the essence of what we can do and how we can behave in different ways. Uh, parents, I cannot tell you how much we are blessed by the way that you behave, by how you can train your child up uh, to love one another, because it's going to stick with them for a long period of their life. It's when we get into this us positions where we're a little bit older that we have to unlearn it. And I promise you, unlearning things is the most difficult thing that we can do. Because how many of you guys have had to unlearn patterns by changing, and you're realizing that's way too difficult? So, slide it down. Is it going, Barb? Here we go. Um, again, kids are my number one passion. Uh, my, my younger generation of kids uh, is going through probably one of the hardest generations possibly because they're constantly seeing everybody else do things that they wish that they were in. They wish that they were in that position. And they're seeing somebody else like doing cool things online and I, I wish I could do this. I wish, I wish, I wish. But they haven't yet been in the position to realize that all the things that other people are doing is not glorious. Being in front of a camera is the loneliest I've been in a long time. I'm just going to be honest. Because I'm used to being in a room of 40 people and it changes every 40 minutes. And I get somebody else to smile and I get somebody else to feed off and I get to do this. Now I'm in a room by myself for 30 minutes and then I'm in front of a computer for four hours, again, by myself. But I realized that I had to change my position in my mind to realize that the impact of what we're doing or what we're trying to accomplish with our daily videos is actually going to be way more impactful and it's not about me anymore. And I realize that that's a really tough position for me to be in because of what I've battled with my entire life. And so when we see all these different things, we realize that we can see what's on the face. But as you read some of the other things earlier, there's 18 different types of smiles. And only one of them is real. And it's the one which ladies that you're going to hate me for are going to give you wrinkles. but I want to put it in a different position for you. Maybe you got wrinkles because you smiled too much, because you brought too much joy, because you responded to somebody else or something else that can go into it. It's just a different change of thought. So uh, I've kind of already brought this up uh, with our body language and everything like that, so we're going to keep on going because your body has a terrible thing. Can't really lie. Body language can expose a person's intentions. Whoever winks the eye is planning perversity. Whoever purses his lips is intent on evil. Gray hair is the crown of honor earned by living the right kind of life. Jonathan and Eli, you're doing well. It is better to be patient man than a mighty warrior. Better to be someone who controls his temper than someone who conquers a city. Not coming after you yet, buddy. There's different things that we realize when our positions change uh, that we can take honor of some of the things that are actually going on. Our body language is the thing that communicates a different message to us. If you read scripture, you'll find positions that people are put in that you can actually begin to feel the physical pain that somebody is in. When you hear David mourn, when you hear Jesus wept, when you hear anger, 
We know the physical responses that are happening to it, but yet do we respond to it in the exact same way? So there's several different ways to kind of do this, and I'm going to briefly kind of go back to, to the positions. Ladies, when you like to talk, you like to be right in front of somebody else. Your entire life, you've developed intimacy by seeing all the facial expressions when you're communicating with somebody else. This was how you were raised. This is how you were. Your mother sat you down and was like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. I absolutely love you. And the development of intimacy is in this face-to-face -face conversation. Unfortunately, we were not developing intimacy that way. Men, I want you to think about this for a second. Was there ever a time where you really developed that intimate connection face-to-face? -face? Or are your fondest memories of you and your dad and your brothers doing something side-by-side? When men are presented face-to-face, -face, it is almost always in confrontation or conflict. So when we communicate with the opposite sex, we're realizing that we're actually missing a very key point in the intimate relationships that were developed long before you ever got there. The most heartfelt, emotional things that a man goes through is side-by-side. The motions that I have is actually, you know, me and my dad, you know, fishing down by the river or being on a road trip or doing this or doing that. When I have a deep conversation with somebody, I'm not sitting my best friend down and being in front to front. I'm going side to side saying, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's go hike a mountain. Let's go do that. We get uncomfortable when somebody's watching us because we're just not that comfortable with our physical emotions. And even when we find ourselves positioning ourselves before God, we do the same thing. We try and hide it. We look away. There's that side-to-side -side thing that kind of goes on. And so I wanted to teach this in a different way because I realized that there's so much to where it's just like, I want them to know. But there's different ways of presenting how we can change our position that teaches us a very different way to develop what we want and what we need. Because what we think we ought to do is usually the way that we want things presented to us. So gentlemen, it's stepping up to your wife and looking her in the eye and showing her that you love her face to face, not side to side. Grab her hands, look her in the eye, and tell her you love her. There's different ways of communication that God has established and confronted with us that bring us into the forefront of just knowing, like, man, this is where I belong. Because it's developing in us the different ways in which we do this. One of my favorite practices uh, is actually a Jewish practice, which is called the sitting Shiva. Has anyone heard of this before? It's one of those positions that Jews had an understanding because when somebody goes through an extreme amount of loss, it's the most difficult thing in the world. That difficult process of knowing, what do I say? God, what do I do? I'm not in the position. I'm not hurting like they are. But the Jews just had this thing where they just said, no, just go sit with them. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just be present in the room. Because when we're suffering, the last thing that we sometimes want is for someone to like go in and be like, here's a Bible verse for you. That's not the moment I need that. What I need is my brother Lenny just to be in the room going, when you're ready and just sit there.
And the practice was literally for hours of just sitting in silence, respecting the other person. But it's the power of your presence and the position that you're in that influences everything. And there's different ways of communicating than realizing that I don't have to say anything to make profound impacts in how somebody is realizing the pain and the struggle that they're going through. Because I don't want to say anything because I'm going to mess it up. Just be there. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. More and more, I'm finding this necessity to take care of the physical to make room for what God is actually wanting to put into me. Because there's a lot of things that like, I don't have the energy for. But you know what I'm most energized? Is when this guy and Justin are working out together, there's a level of energy that comes from being so exhausted after a workout that I've got this whole new revamp thing but I've also spent an hour with two of my best friends conversing about life and God knows what else. But those are the moments that energize. Taking care of the thing that God has given you is going to revif... See, in videos, I get to edit that out. (laughs) Not here. Get to redo. It revitalizes us in very unique ways. And so if you've ever gone from an unhealthy diet and switched over to a healthy diet, you're like, oh, my God. What we put into us matters. What we export to others matters. We feed off of the energy and the body language that we're communicating with one another. And even more importantly now, we are in this environment where we're told, close it all down. Stay apart. Do this, do that. And it's so difficult because I was just like, Justin, like, what, what, what do I say with that? Because I want to be the honest thing. And he just said, man, go with what God wants you to say. And if you notice, I don't use notes. And I just said, God, let's do this. Because everything that comes out, I just want it to be from a place where God is actually speaking to somebody else saying, hey, move. Be in a different position. Constantly change where you're at and where you want to be. And so when we realize that everything is controlled spiritually, emotionally, and physically, we can control various aspects of our lives by, you know, some of the things that we can control. I am a control freak. This is where I freak out all the time and I'm terrified. Because I know that if I can control this one thing in my life, which is this, God can move in all the different ways in me. As long as I can keep this under control, as long as I can present myself in different ways and I can do this and I can do that, then God is opening me up for a whole different ways to actually move inside of me. And so finding scripture was actually the biggest joy because you can literally read in green what it actually means to do the positive things. We can see in scripture how it opens ourselves up when we're positioning ourselves in different ways. Yet I, by your loving grace, are welcomed into your house. I will turn my face towards your holy place and fall on my knees in reverence before you. 
their physical attributes to actually being fully in awe and wonder of our creator. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands in that surrender pose, realizing that I am not in control. I'm not getting the upper hand with God. Good luck doing that. Distress and anguish fill him with terror. Troubles overwhelm him like a king poised to attack because he shakes his fist at God and vaults himself against the Almighty, defiantly charging against him with a thick, strong shield. Good luck. Anger is both the physical thing that can keep us going. The more we keep ourselves in a physical state, we actually influences our mental state. Anger crunches our body. Forgiveness releases it. If you've ever asked for forgiveness and you felt the Holy Spirit come into you, there is that moment of peace. There is that release, that tension, that anger, that angst. Because people always say it's just like, oh, but I just can't let go of them. But living with all of the negative hormones, all of the other stress, all the other things, like that's still worth it? You're willing to contain all of that inside of the mortal body that was meant to continually let things go. You're willing to hold on to that rather than let it go. Give it up to God and release it. And then last but not least, I understand that this is one of those messages that can put us into a position where we realize it. For me, training my physical body has immediately moved over into the spiritual spent a whole year traveling. On an average day, I walked between 20 and 30,000 steps. That's anywhere from like 12 miles to 20 miles a day. When you don't have a mode of transportation, these things are all you got. And when you're traveling and backpacking, which I will tell you as parents should be the number one experience you should give your kids when they're young in their like college years, because the independence that God basically instills in you is manifested in the position in which you're going. And God will meet you along the way. And there's nothing more glorifying than constantly being in a different position. Because when you're traveling and you're going from one place to another, you know you only have today. If you don't see what you want to see in that city, in that place, in the 24 hours God gave you, you're on a bus to a new place and you miss the opportunity. It is the most humbling and beautiful experience I ever got to have, and now I'm in a position right now where I'm just like, I wanna go back, COVID go away. Because there's something enlightening about constantly changing your position, of constantly moving towards the direction that you know God wants to move you in, God wants to take you to, because constantly staying in the same place that we've always been isn't moving my heart, isn't moving my soul. So if I need to move, God, move me. For while bodily training is a sub-value, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What Justin spoke about these last few weeks is it. The armor of God, our position with God, and putting on and changing our position, getting ready for battle, how we stand, how we move, is the essence of what is the most important thing that we do with our lives. How we take care of this inner part of us is this. Today has also been a bit about taking care of the people that are coming along the way. 
so that we can make them open up so that God can move in them and change the position of their heart. You and I are responsible for each other just as much as we are responsible to ourselves. How we communicate to the ones that we love with the most is of the utmost value that God can then say, hey, you are loved because your father loves you. How glorious is it to say, yeah, I know my earthly dad loves me, so now I have a physical representation of the God who loves me. Because for hundreds and thousands and millions of us, we had to learn what God's love was. We had to learn to trust him. And God had to change our positions. 